Hey there, welcome to episode 52 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Axe, so great to have you here. How'd you find the podcast? Maybe on Syracuse.com, on social media, awesome ways to keep in touch with us here. But don't forget you can subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, whatever your favorite method of podcast delivery is, make sure you subscribe to the Syracuse Sports Podcast so we can keep bringing you these episodes fresh and ready for you. But whenever you want to listen, we had a conversation with Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack and a full Syracuse football preview with myself, Nate Mink, and Stephen Bailey from Syracuse.com. We hope you can check out past episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Coming up today, looking forward to you getting the opportunity to hear my conversation with former Syracuse wide receiver, Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens, longtime NFL veteran, Quadri Ismail wanted to catch up with Quadri just to see what life was like for him 30 years after playing at Syracuse football. He's now a broadcaster with the Baltimore Ravens, does a number of things around the game, had some pretty strong opinions about the Andrew Luck situation that continues to generate so much discussion in the football world. And he was one of the first dual sport athletes to earn high praise at Syracuse at his time since a guy named Jim Brown. Fascinating dude to talk to. We'll talk to Quadri coming up in just a couple of minutes here. But first, I've got three pointers. Well, there's not much to go on when it comes to predicting Syracuse against Liberty this weekend. Syracuse is going to roll this team. I've got a final score of 45-17. to 17. Now, don't get me wrong. Liberty's got some players. Their quarterback, and I love this name, Stephen Buckshot Calvert. His real legal middle name is Buckshot. 3,000 yards last year, 21 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. He is a bit of a gunslinger. And when you're facing a Syracuse defense that was top five in the country a year ago and creating takeaways, has Andre Sisco at safety, has Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson bearing down on him on the pass rush. I don't think that Buckshot is going to lead Liberty to victory, but he's a great player. Antonio Gandy Golden, 6'4, 220. You can't teach that. High on a lot of NFL draft boards at wide receiver. Couple of thousand yard rushers, including Josh Mack from Pittsburgh, New York. Transfer into Liberty, led the FCS in rushing a year ago. It certainly is an odd place for Syracuse to start the season. John Wildhack, in our previous episode of the Syracuse Sports Podcast, explained why. Only 25,000 seats. They just made the jump to the FBS level. Hugh Freeze has spent the offseason in the hospital or coaching his team remotely by FaceTime, by phone, by literally walkie-talkie because he's been laid up a little bit due to a staph infection that led to a surgery and debilitating back pain that he's been dealing with throughout preseason camp. I'm curious to see when you pull Tommy DeVito when Syracuse has a sizable lead, the rotation on the offensive line, and, and some of the other young guns and players that might fall off the radar screen as the season goes along who will get into a game like this. It might be Syracuse's only true, quote, warm-up early in the season. I think Maryland is going to be a challenge, and that little team called Clemson that comes to the Carrier Dome on the 14th might provide a bit of a challenge for the Orange. But in Game 1, the Orange rolls 45-17. to <laughs> Rumors are afloat that Jim Beheim's going to play some more man-to-man defense this year. Color me skeptical on this one. It seems every offseason, Jim does an interview or two, and in this case, he did it with our own Donna DeTota, When Syracuse went to Italy, they did play man-to-man defense in Italy in an exhibition season that you can tinker with the lineup. You can play everybody. You can try a little bit of everything. Syracuse does practice man-to-man. 
Maybe they'll play it a little bit in the pre-conference schedule, but we all know when January comes, when we're truly shoveling feet of snow and Syracuse is well into their season, we're not going to see the man-to-man defense at all. Jim Beheim is a zone guy, to the core, always will be, even if the matchups favor going man-to-man. Remember, the zone is a complex defense that, as Bill Raftery likes to say, can have elements of man-to-man defense. I don't know why Syracuse fans continue to be so obsessed with Jim Beheim playing man-to-man defense. I like that Syracuse has an identity as a zone team. They stick with it. The mental challenge that's there for other teams to deal with it. I'd be willing to bet that Syracuse has won more games playing zone than maybe they've lost by not playing zone defense. So everybody get over it. Even if we see a little bit of man-to-man, it's going to be like those Bigfoot sightings that happen once in a while. Here and gone. But the myth continues. You got to give the Syracuse Mets this. Even without the mighty Tim Tebow, they are in position for a playoff berth. They have been the best team in the International League since the All-Star break, which mirrors the New York Mets, who have been one of the best teams in Major League Baseball since the All-Star break. As I speak, Syracuse has won 12 of their last 13 games and is looking for its first postseason bid since 2014 when they won the IL's North title. As a team, the Mets have been hitting 284 overall since August 8th. That's the second best mark in the International League. Syracuse bats keep jumping on the ball, and they are fun to watch. Here's my question, though. Will anybody care? Will we truly appreciate playoff baseball here in Syracuse, New York, especially with Syracuse football getting underway next week. I hope so. It's something that is fun to watch. Minor League Baseball is usually all about the wacky promotions, the cool nicknames like the Syracuse Salt Potatoes. Tim Tebow, as mentioned, was kind of a human promotion himself. But at some point, the baseball has to take over, and there's nothing like playoff baseball. I'll say this. What I would be intrigued to watch, if in fact the Chiefs make the playoffs, is this is the model that Major League Baseball should take. Baseball should shave a month off the season, one way or the other. If you want to start it in April, end the regular season in August, and get into the postseason in September. Baseball is 30 games too long. I love that the International League has playoff baseball in September. Football is around, but football is around for the next four months. It's going to compete with anything that wants to get out there then. So playoffs in Syracuse? Let's hope so. And we'll see if the baseball fans turn out for it because they've turned out for a lot of things with the Mets this year. But will they turn out for, you know, actual baseball? Let's bring them in. Super Bowl champion, One of the best all-purpose players in the history of Syracuse football and a dual-sport All-American at Syracuse, Quadre Ismail. You know, Quadre, it's interesting. uh, As we speak here, it's the first day of classes at Syracuse University. And not to date you, my friend, but that was 30 years ago for you. And you've got kids in college now, including your son, who's playing at Villanova. They were just up here in central New York, as a matter of fact, playing Colgate recently. Do you remember those first days of college and, and those first days at Syracuse and what you were thinking was ahead of you? Yeah, no, very, very clearly, uh, like it was yesterday. I mean, you <laughs> you say 30 years ago, and, and honestly, it, it feels like yesterday. Um, it's one of those things where in your mind, um, you know, it's, it's coming of age. It's, it's, it's how you grew up to be, you know, the person that you, you are. It helps shape you. So I think uh, for me, it was, you know, my head coach, uh, Coach Mickey Gorm for my high school, Myers High School. 
and uh, my receivers coach, uh, Wayne DeWire, um, both of them, you know, bringing me up to Syracuse. And I, you know, vividly remember them dropping me off. And, and you know, the, there was a some dorms up in Skytop that um, probably are no longer there. I think now there's an entire um, sports complex. I think that was where the softball complex is at now. That was uh, a set of dorms that um, we had our uh, all the entire football team in for uh, for two days, and you know you're you're just like wow, I'm no longer big man on campus in high school. Now I gotta reestablish myself, and what does that mean? And you know all of that, and uh, you know you just introducing yourself to new dudes and trying to you know fit in, and you know, at the same time you know you you look at you know just life as a student athlete and and what does that mean for you and managing your time and schedule and all that so uh a lot of good memories a lot of good memories but um definitely my first i'd probably say my first first two years at syracuse is probably the the toughest that i had of the the five that i was there just trying to fit in and, and trying to figure out who I was as a person and uh, as an athlete. It's been interesting, Quadri, because Syracuse has undergone this revival under Dino Babers, as you know, but when you were here, I mean, Syracuse getting big wins over, you know, the Floridas and the Texases and Georgia and Ohio State and Colorado, just to name a few, and nine and ten win seasons, that was pretty much the standard at that point. So what's it been like for you to see what it was like here when you played here, Syracuse take a dip, but now I see the revival, and, and I can't remember a season that's been more hyped than this one uh, coming into 2019. Yeah, no, I, I think um, the 1987 team, uh, you know, them going undefeated, I think really established what was just the dominance into uh, the 90s, um, and into the early 90s. Um, I think... 87, you know, was about guys wanting to come together and, you know, just recognizing, hey, we are as talented as it gets. We are as physical as it gets. And we'll, you know, go up against anybody um, on the East Coast and, and, and show that we, you know, we belong. And then I think, you know, my class coming in was, uh, it was about, you know, what we saw as high school seniors um, you know, what it looked like as far as, you know, top level football. And, you know, we just, I think had a, 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 a great class of guys that wanted to work hard, wanted to, to be about what Syracuse, you know, was building on. And so, you know, you, you look at the way, you know, I think Syracuse works as far as our strength and conditioning program. Um, you know, the way in which, you know, uh, you know, we were innovative at that time with the freeze option. And I think defensively, you know, you just had guys that, you know, really, you know, held each other accountable. Um, and so it didn't really matter who we played. I mean, you referenced some of those teams that we played and, you know, it didn't matter, you know, if we played Florida in our building, you know, we were going to go out there and do what we needed to do. The one team, I guess I'm disappointed we never really, um, competed strongly against or beaten was um, uh, going up against uh, Florida State. You know, I think that was the one where, uh, you know, every time they came to play us, you know, they, they got it. Um, and, and hats off to them. But uh, outside of that, I mean, Florida, it didn't matter. Ohio State, it didn't matter. Texas, it didn't matter. 
um, you know, whomever we faced on the East Coast, you know, when it came to the Big East, uh, it didn't matter. Um, you know, we competed, competed hard, and when it came to the bowl games, you know, we knew that it wasn't about, you know, just a kind of a, yeah, you know, it's a bowl game, let's have fun. It was, yeah, let's have fun, but also, you know, when it was time to practice, we practiced. When it was time to, you know, hang out, we hung out. But when it was time to, to get it on at the end of the week and, and play, um, we knew that we were going to we were going to play well and play our best. And uh, I think that's kind of what Dino, I think, you know, fast forward into today has been about. You know, when it's time to work, we work. You know, when it's time to have fun and, you know, sit back, we sit back and have fun. But uh, when it's time to compete, you definitely know how to do it and do it well. So I think, um, you know, it just took a coach like Dino um, to build on what, you know, Dick McPherson and Paul Pascaloni um, you know, kind of established as a foundation of what Syracuse football was about. I think those middle years where, you know, they were going through some tough times um, from a coaching aspect of things. Uh, and even from, I think, you know, athletic director, I don't think he really recognized what it was to be, you know, a Syracuse orange. And I think his mindset was still kind of, you know, somewhere out in, Southern Cal, and I think, you know, what we have now is uh, really special. Quadri, when you were here at Syracuse, you were the first dual-sport All-American that they had seen since Jim Brown. And, you know, back in the day, in Jim Brown's day, he played multiple sports, and we've heard about all these multiple sports stars at Syracuse, but in the modern era, and you train athletes today, so you can speak to this as well as anybody, it's a little more specialized these days, and, you know, players getting to play multiple sports at a Division One school is becoming more and more rare, but how important was it for you when you were at Syracuse to be able to run track as well and, 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 and do it at an All-American level? Well, it was huge. I, I thought, you know, going to Syracuse, um, what appealed to me was the fact that I, I, I had a chance to to play two sports. Um, Randy Etzel, um, you know, was like, look, we have a great track program. Um, as long as, you know, our strength coach signs off on it, I don't see why not. Well, our strength coach, Mike Wojcik at the time, he was a former track guy. So he already knew, you know, the benefits of running track. And, you know, when it came to uh, the, the track coaches, you know, they welcomed me with open arms. So my commitment was, you know, when it was – Winter workouts, any winter workout that I had to do with um, the team, um, I can skip out on as long as I was at track and doing my thing with them. And all I needed to do was um, participate in spring, spring football practice. So my lifting and everything actually prepared me for track. And knowing what I know now from a uh, sports performance training aspect of things, I think the lifts that we did and how it helped my body um, prepare for the competition, uh, it really was revolutionary back then, but it's very much standard nowadays. And, you know, I think uh, just, again, you know, coaches being on the same page, there was no egos involved. It, it was just about, all right, here's Kadri's schedule. Here's what we want him to do. Here's, you know, how it can work. And it made it real seamless for me. I mean, I, I had you know, zero problem whatsoever, um, you know, going from, you know, track practice over to do my lifts or, you know, I had my Big East championships and, you know, from a Big East championship standpoint, um, you know, it really was, it was easy. I mean, it was like, all right, cool. 
um, whether it be indoors, whether it be outdoors. And then I think from a national standpoint, um, yeah, I, I guess you could, <laughs> I say hypothetically speaking, but I, I guess there is some truth to it that indoor is its own sport and outdoor is its own sport. So um, if you want to, you know, have some semantics, then, it, you know, you could say I was a three-sport All-American because, <laughs> you know, I, I ran the indoor hurdles and was a indoor champion and All-American and outdoor as well. So I, I'm with you there. I'll back you on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> Quadri, uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, transitioning to the National Football League. Huge news made over the weekend with Andrew Luck's sudden retirement. And it's it's a it's a shocking story. It's 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 something that kind of jolts you. But when you take a step back away and you listen to what he's saying, I guess it's not that stunning. I mean, if he's in that much pain and feels like he can't put the love and the commitment into the game anymore, then deciding to walk away from it, the timing being unfortunate, but it, it feels like he, he's making not only the right decision for him, but the right decision for the team, too, if if he can't give all of himself to that team. But what was your reaction to not only his decision, but seeing everyone else's reaction? Because there's certainly been a lot of strong opinions about it. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, you know, looking at Twitter, um, I can see where there's so many different opinions. You have some, some quarterbacks that have played uh, at the professional level, and, you know, you can see where some are supporting. You can see where, um, you can see where others are, are being a little bit frustrated by him doing it as far as the timing of it all. And I think, you know, ultimately it's his decision um, it's interesting to me because, you know, with the NFL, the business of, of it is where you don't necessarily have a guaranteed contract, although you can put guarantees in there, but it's not a fully guaranteed contract. And so, yeah, the, the player doesn't have, you know, as much leverage as you would, you know, have in other sports. And, you know, the colliding of, you know, humans at, at a, you know, from 15 up to 22 miles an hour uh, is it's intense. And I think for him, you know, he uh, has had a, a ton of major injuries, not just, you know, minor, but major injuries. And, again, knowing what I know now about, you know, the body and, and, and you know, connective tissue and, and fascia and how fascia you know, dictates an awful lot as far as how you feel on a day-to-day basis. Um, obviously, uh, the whole understanding of the opioid addiction and, and what it can do to uh, a person's body, which then multiplies out to a person's family. And, and you know, I think, you know, he could have gone a route of just, you know, putting himself on anti-inflammatories and just masked the problem and, 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 you know, I've seen guys like a, a Brett Favre who was addicted to, um, you know, the, the painkillers because he just wanted to play, but he didn't, you know, want to feel the pain. You know, I think for, um, you know, Andrew Luck, for him to go through all of what he's gone through and, and you know, it, it's been, like you said, four years worth of it. It's not like it's just one year and it's, oh, gee, something's going on with my lower leg. Oh, I'm just going to retire. No, it's... It, an intense thing so I think for him um, you know it wasn't an easy decision but I think you know the bigger picture is his health is his, his long term 
you know, life and the lifestyle that he wants to, to lead. You know, he's a young man and, uh, you know, he has life ahead of him. I think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you don't realize, you know, just how quickly, I mean, you say 30 years, you know, since the last I was on uh, a football team that, you know, was up in upstate New York and it's like, wow. But in my mind, it's like yesterday. Uh, but it does. It goes by quickly, and you still have a lot of life left to live. And it's how you choose in the decision that he made is, you know, I want to choose. I want to choose life and live life abundantly, not live life in pain. You know, I respect that decision for him. And, Quadri, I'll close on this thought. Of course, you're a part of uh, the Baltimore Ravens broadcast team, NFL season just around the corner. What's a fair expectation for you for the Ravens here in 2019? <laughs> After what I've seen them go through this training camp and they got out of it healthy, uh, as well as, you know, what I've seen from Lamar Jackson, talented, uh, young man in his second year, sky's the limit, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, this is a, a team that looks fast. They, they have a, a, a good amount of veteran leadership. Um, this is, this is a, a, a division that is, is ripe for the picking. You know, I think uh, as much as the hype has been around Cleveland, I think ultimately um, the the AFC North goes through uh, Baltimore. And I think that this is a team that uh, will, if they get into the playoffs, they're, they're going to be a force to reckon with. Quadre, it's great to catch up with you. Continued luck and success uh, to you. We'll uh, catch up down the road here, but thanks for joining us today here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on as always. Thanks again for checking out the Syracuse Sports Podcast, Episode 52. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please check out our previous episodes this week with Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack and our football roundtable with Stephen Bailey, Nate Mink, and myself. A lot of football talk this week, and that's a beautiful thing because football is back. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. We will talk to you again next week here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. Thanks for joining us.